we've had overwhelming support since since we were put into receivership back in April of 2016, and it's been unwavering. This was the best, really, of all possible outcomes, and both the staff and our community is excited about that. That was Steve Wright, President and General Manager of J Peak Resort. He's a guest on this edition of the Base Camp Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Base Camp Podcast, New England Ski Journal's own podcast. It's your central information for New England skiing and riding, sponsored by Stratton Mountain Resort. Now is the time to book your escape to Vermont. Take advantage of Stratton Mountain's early booking offer to save up to 50% off your ski and ride vacation. Visit stratton.com now to lock in your savings and get ready to winter like you mean it. Don't wait. Stratton's early booking offer ends October 31st. Visit stratton.com to book your ski and ride vacation today. I'm Eric Wilbur, editor and writer for the New England Ski Journal, joined by my co-host, Mike Specian. Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Eric. How are you today? I'm great. You know, it's getting ready. The weather is cooling down. I'm, I'm starting to put the shorts and the flip-flops away. And it's starting to feel a little bit more like winter because we're hearing a little bit more about changes and new things happening. And one of the things that hit my radar recently is the paid parking saga that we're going over. Paid parking at a ski resort. I have never... Have you? Oh, Eric, this is nothing new. I've been paying to park out west for as long as I can remember, whether it be at Copper Mountain, Vail, even prime parking at Steamboat. It's been an issue. It's just moving east now. And and how should we feel about this? I say this because in early October, it came out that Stowe had sold its or had put its season parking passes on sale. If you are not aware this year Stowe Mountain Resort will be charging $30 to park on weekends and holidays, hoping to try and control some of the huge problems they had on Mountain Road. They put on $450 parking passes for the entire season, and they sold out in as little as nine minutes, some people said, which is remarkable, but you also wonder how many do they actually put on sale. There's a lot of kind of groaning about Stowe putting up the $30 parking and Stowe has also said that they're going to take a lot of these these fees and turn them in carpooling and Green Mountain Transit and trying to improve the public transportation. So this isn't just a money grab, right? This is trying to improve something, or at least that's what we're saying. So in the east, there's now Stowe and there's now Mount Snow, and this is going to happen at more places, I would imagine, correct? Oh, I think it will. It's Like I said, it's nothing new. We become blinded sometimes when we only ski at one area because yeah. change is going to happen. It's the one thing that's going to happen. And the beauty, beauty of the ski industry is that we have choices where we ski and you make your choice accordingly. Paid parking, like I said, is nothing new. Even everybody's trying to figure out the environmental factor of cars. Everybody's trying to figure out the traffic issues. Little Cottonwood Canyon is in the middle of it right now out in Utah. Right. Them trying to put in a gondola up to Alton Snowbird. So there's a lot of stuff happening. I hate paying extra money. Yeah. I hate paying extra taxes. Join the club. Okay, all of that. But that's not going to stop me from skiing. Of course. Guess what? We've got seasons passes that are cheaper than they've been since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So... You're going to pay one way or the other, just like uh, me living in New Hampshire. I pay a different way than Massachusetts. But is that $30 parking fee going to change some decisions in terms of 
where people want to ski, right? Like if you want to go to Stowe on a Saturday and you say, I don't really feel like paying an extra 30 bucks just to go there. Are you going to go to Sugarbush or are you going to go to Mad River Glen? I, I wonder if a lot of that, or have you already decided that? Like you don't want to deal with Mountain Road, whether it's paid parking or not. I will take Vail at its word that they are going to take some of these, these fees and put it into public transportation. I have taken Green Mountain Transit in Stowe and never had a problem. Of course, the traffic on Mountain Road has never been worse than it is, you know, God, even in the fall where, where it was gridlocked for foliage. So something had to be done. And I think that this is a, a wise first step. And like you said, it's not new. It's not like Vale and Stowe are going way out of the realm of possibility here and doing something crazy. It's fairly normal. I think the thing that people may be a little more concerned about is that how normal is it going to be? And, and is it going to be just sort of, if I go to Attach, do I have to pay? If I go to Sunday River, do I have to pay? And maybe it will become commonplace sooner or later. But for right now, this new little wrinkle of trying to pay an extra few bucks is not really going over that well. No, it's not going over well at all, <laughs> especially here in the East where we, we don't change very easily. Right, I've right. lived in the West. I've lived in the East. I can tell you New England is definitely pretty pretty stringent in change mm -hmm. but you know you know what people are still going to ski the epic pass is still the bargain of the century right. and people are going to use it the only people i feel really bad for even though once again i don't want to pay it are the locals that might not have the funds to do it right so hopefully the resorts come up with ways we don't need to gentrify these areas any more than they are i've seen it happen in the val valley in beaver creek and aspen so that would be my only concern but paid parking is going to be the thing moving forward just like going to a museum or going downtown boston right exactly and in at Stowe, you can still park for free during the week which for locals is great if you got a wednesday power day you're not paying 30 bucks extra, okay? But even on the weekends and holidays, Toll House will still have free parking there. So it's a matter of do you take that lift? Do you take a shuttle? There will be ways around it. It's not that you have to ultimately pay the $30. It's going to be a lot easier in your life if you pay the $30. If you don't pay the $30, it's a $75 fee. And if you don't pay it in 10, in 10 days, 100 bucks. So it's... It's gonna. There's no way around it where you're gonna try and fool the system to park. There will be some lots where where they're free. The hassle will whether or not the hassle is worth thirty dollars will be up to you. Well, the only thing I hope doesn't happen, Eric, is I've spent a lot of time in Boston. I hope we don't start seeing boots on cars yes. where you can't move right. your car because you you didn't pay a parking fee. I'm sure Vermonters will will love that if that if it came to that. The the other thing that's going on, we've got a race to open going on right now. Yep. Who do you think is going to be the first? Not to put you on the spot. Well, that's a, that's a tough one. Who opened first last year on October 17th? Was it Bromley? No, not Bromley. You know what? I was betting on Blue Hills. <laughs> no, it was Wolf Creek. Right. That's right. Correct. Wolf Creek got dumped. They opened first last year without snowmaking. It's just amazing how that San Juan gets snow at times. Yep. But we've, we've, got, we've got Killington going. We've got Sunday River ready to go. We've got Loveland. We've got Keystone. They're all fighting to be number one. Do you remember who was number one a few years ago? 2020? Was it 2020? 2020 would be Wachusett Mountain in Princeton, Massachusetts. Unbelievable. You know what? W what everybody found out that year is that 
you don't want to publicize when you're open because somebody will get under the gun and beat you. That's pretty much what happened. Killington had it ready to go, and uh, they were going to open their lifts at 9 o'clock. And here at 8.30 comes little old Wachusett taking the title away from the Beast of the East, which usually has it if, if Sunday River doesn't have it. So kudos to Wachusett. And Wachusett has that, that newer snowmaking system, which is truly a game changer in the way that they've been able to make snow there and, and to open early. So that wasn't exactly a, a one-time thing for Wachusett. I'm sure they could do it again. But yeah, Killington and Sunday River probably want to keep the things on the down low just so they don't exactly tip their hand and give someone else the title. The race to open, I got to be honest, it kind of bores me a little bit because, yeah, it's fun to be there that first day and... Yeah, it's fun to say, hey, I'm back on snow. But the skiing's not very good. We, we, we generate all this energy into the open, being open, being open, being open, and having that white ribbon of death. But give me March. Give me April, right? I wanna, I'm more of a, the race to, to be the last one open, right? That's when my soul loves the skiing. The white ribbon of death is it's nice to look at and say, hey, we're open. But give me a few weeks. If Killington opens on, let's say, the 1st of November, give me the 14th. That's when I want to go there. I, I'm not a first-day guy. Neither am I, but so many years, Powder Magazine, if everybody remembers that little magazine called Powder it's not, it, it, Ski. It's, well, it didn't die that long ago. Yes, yeah. of course. <laughs> Ski, skiing, we all wanted to get them in August. We all, the equipment, yep. the equipment issue, and that's what the race to open is is that equipment issue that says, oh my goodness, ski season's here, I better get in shape, yep. or I'm stoked to ski. I mean, that's that's what the first day the race to open is. I don't want to be out there with everybody else by any stroke, but I think it's good for the industry, I think it's good for business, and I think it's good for bookings, because well, it, people get excited. Right, it's great to be at, the, at, at whatever expo is in Massachusetts to say, hey, we're open, come and visit us. And I think a lot of the, the dedication of time goes towards that. Uh, I'm not poo-pooing opening day, but I do remember a couple of years ago, was it 2018 we got the big dump? And I remember skiing in three feet of powder, and it was mid-November that's early skiing to me, right? Like, get the big dump in there. But again, am I going to argue with skiing a white ribbon? No, I'll go do it. But it's it's not something that I get so excited for. Um, but hey, to each their own. I, w- I was there once with that excitement. Before the K1 gondola was in there, mm-hmm. and there was a double chair and upper cascade, October 6th. Right. I'll tell you what. Yep. That was, that was pretty, pretty much a stoke fest. Being up top, I'll take that day any day. Okay. Well, I mean, I am just one person. Today on the show, we're going to have Steve Wright, the president and general manager of J. Peak Resort in Vermont. And J. Peak is now a member of the Pacific Group Resorts in, in Incorporated family. That is correct. Jay went through a pretty pretty tough time over the last six years. Being in receivership, as some things happened up there, but the crew up there... The whole crew really kept it all together and continued forward under this receivership and created a a resort that three different groups were trying to get a hold of. Right. I mean, look, we could go into the EB-5 scandal, but I think that we're way past that. Just know that Jay went through some problems, right? Financial issues and what they were left with six, seven years ago was this emerging resort that was now a four-season resort to, to go to. 
And it was all up in limbo and receivership and, and people wondering what the future held for Jay Peak. And then the pandemic hit. And so now here we are six years later and PGRI has won the bidding. It is still remains subject to approval by the U.S. District Court in Florida. But this finally gives Jay some consistency in its ownership and a future. And for a place as special as Jay, that's what it really needed because nobody wanted to see Jay sort of fade from the headlines and the the, the, the frontal consciousness of skiers and riders in New England. With that being said, Eric, do we have somebody somebody joining us today? We do. We have Steve Wright, the general manager and president of Jay Peak in northern Vermont. Jay Peak has had a big a couple months. The last month, Pacific Group Resorts made the highest bid to finally end the saga that has been percolating around Jay Peak for quite a few years. And Steve has been at the forefront of that. First of all, Steve, welcome to the podcast. I hope everything's going. Yeah, thanks for having me on there. And you're right. Lots of saga percolation around <laughs> here the last few years, for sure. Well, can you kind of go over a little bit of what the process was most recently? How did PGRI get into the bidding? And ultimately, something you've been working on for quite a few years here is finally over. How does that finally feel? Well, a couple of questions there. PGRI was was one of the, one of the, the folks at the finish line, and they had been involved in, in reviewing and, and looking at JP for several years, uh, even before the, the pandemic, they, they was the first time that they had come through and done diligence and, and walked the campus and such. But then things got put on the shelf as, as the pandemic landed and things shut down and, and folks sort of retrenched and started to, to focus on their existing businesses and not so much about expanding them. So we, as we started to come back out of the pandemic six, seven months ago, they Reengaged, came came here, looked at the place again. Had, we had lots of lots of forth and back meetings with them, lots of financial and and other pieces of diligence that we needed to to work with them on. And they got to the finish line. There was an auction process with two other folks who had gotten interested in potentially purchasing JP more recently, and got to that final final auction day. And the the folks that remained in there went back and forth, sort of a sort of a meditate, a meditation, but mediation sort of process where folks would put a dollar number forward, forward, and then the remaining folks would counter that, and it went through that process for the better part of the day until PGRI was sort of the last buyer standing. Well, I, Steve, I think it's a great match overall. First off, I'd like to congratulate you on what you did with the receivership that you were dealing with. And at the same time, COVID thrown at it with you guys not being a real close resort to the metropolitan areas, which made it a little bit more difficult for somebody like Jay Peak. But it's fantastic. I think the Pacific Group is a great match there. Vern is doing an awesome job, and he's proven it with the other resorts he has. What are your What are your thoughts? I mean, are you stoked to be with him? I would accept the thanks with the you pronoun only with the understanding that there was very much a they here, the they being the, the team here, the folks in the trenches that really survived this place for the last six and a half years. They're the ones that grounded out every single day. It would have been very easy for many on this staff to look for greener pastures and not participate through the receivership with trying to keep Jay moving forward. And, and the reason that there was interest, and the reason that that interest was calibrated so highly is is because of them. So I'd accept that thanks, and I say thank you for it. But it was really that those frontliners that deserve that. Sort of secondarily, you're right. I I agree with you. PGRI seems like the fit. Vern is a 
industry. Lion has Mark Fisher, who's involved there, and a few other folks. And they own and, and run ski resorts that connect well with this kind of sensibility that JP has, has had a long tradition of. And we look forward to continuing that with them. New England Ski Journal's Base Camp Podcast will return after this. If you want to be inspired and informed on everything about the New England ski and outdoor scene, then you need to check out SkiJournal.com. SkiJournal.com delivers daily content on breaking industry news, tips, gear, dining, travel, entertainment, as well as all archived episodes of the Emmy-nominated New England Ski Journal TV show and the Base Camp Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to New England Ski Journal the longest-running regional ski magazine in the country. New England Ski Journal's award-winning writers and photographers bring all four seasons to your door with best-in-class coverage on skiing and the outdoors. Log on to SkiJournal.com and click on the subscribe button to get New England Ski Journal mailed to you today. New England Ski Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative insightful and now back to the base camp podcast you've been at the forefront of this for years how did it was it almost just a huge sigh of relief when this was finally over because you you've taken the resort from where it was in such not i don't want to say shambles that's the wrong word but such problems behind it and in this six-year period have finally gotten to the finish line i mean how does that feel for you personally i anticipated it to be more of an exhale frankly i I, uh, the first few years were a challenge and sort of keeping every, keeping our arms around everyone and all of us and to, to try to succeed and try to keep this business moving forward because ultimately that was what was going to get us to the finish line was continuing to, to stay relevant. So, but after that initial two years, we got into a, a, a nice sort of operational groove. Then the pandemic landed and that took all of our, our focus. And then only recently as, as we came out of the pandemic, did we, start to really focus on the, the sale of this again. And it coincided with us having to also focus on operations. So we're still, we're still a week or, or two, maybe away from the closing. Maybe there's some Excel left in me <laughs> down the road in a few weeks, but for right now, it feels, it really does feel business as usual. And we're, we're trying to grind out the last couple of weeks of the, of our second quarter here. And we've had a real successful couple of, a couple of quarters to start off fiscal 23. And we're all happy about that. Great. So have you had time to kind of gauge what the reaction has been from the community? Yeah, I mean, it, it has been very supportive as it has been our relationship with our community. And I and I, I consider the community both our, our season path holders and, and homeowners and stakeholders and also in its literal definition, the, the surrounding communities that surround JP. We've, we've had overwhelming support since, since we were put into receivership back in April of 2016, and it's been unwavering. And it's, that's, it's really, it's buoyed us during certain times where, where we really needed the, the buoyancy. <laughs> so it's where the, the feedback has been great. It's, there's lots of interested parties asking questions about the transferability of passes and reciprocity of visitation on, on tickets and lodging and things like that. And all of that will get, will get worked out, but this was the, the best really of all possible outcomes and, and both the staff and our community is excited about that. That is absolutely awesome. Yeah. Question question for you. How do you how do you take a sigh right now? We've talked to a few different GMs this year already. Tough, pretty tough to take a sigh when you're going into Christmas season in the ski industry. It's mm. full on as I can imagine trying to get ready to go for this coming season. Yeah, I mean 
It's difficult. There's not a hell of a lot of time going on at this point. I mean, we're ready for the reopening, the full sort of grand reopening of the Canadian border, which for us is going to be a major, major deal. And we're seeing that in advanced reservations, deposits against vacations for this winter, people, Canadians purchasing JP season passes, the index of new pass holders that have not been a JP pass holder before is really starting to climb up. So there's an expectation. There's a really, we're all sort of looking forward to seeing full volume against the resort for this coming winter, especially with the Canadians. The, the border opened up, the ability to cross opened up only in the in the early spring, mid-spring last year. And even even with that, there were contingencies and, and things you had to do to cross the border in terms of showing vax cards and signing up for a rise can and certain hours it was open. So with all of that sort of gone, we're expecting Canadians to really run back to us and, and everyone is excited about that. I know that's not a contest, right? Like who did worse in the pandemic, but could you say because of that? Go ahead. I was going to say we won. If there was, we won it. Okay, then go. Yeah, we had we had our border, which closes fifty percent of our audience on one side of us, completely closed, and then Vermont had the most restrictive travel policies, probably of any any state in the in the country, without question, in the U.S. Yep. So, and we we're last on the line in the U.S. or in Vermont as it relates to other sphere is that folks have access to. So we were, it, it hurt for sure. We recalibrated, we did things differently. We, we trimmed where we could and, and still provided a pretty good experience, but it, it wasn't the same experience. So we're, like I said, we're excited to get back to what's a more typical season here and, and, to, and to welcome lots of folks here to enjoy it. Well, it's going to be a great season for sure. That's great to hear though, that bookings are up. I just read in ski area management that the West is actually down a little bit. So hopefully people are staying in New England and enjoying the great snow here. I agree. I wouldn't be surprised if some of that has to do with petroleum prices, plane tickets, not as many planes in the air and that sort of thing. But first is driving that we're, we're happy to be on the receiving end of more Easterners staying closer and taking those vacations here. Okay, so one of the biggest questions people had as soon as they heard about this new deal with PGRI was, is there going to be a combo pass? Is there going to be a, a ragged combo pass? Or is there going to be a Pacific group pass? And how about the Indy pass? Where does that all fit in? Steve, can you give us yeah. all the answers to these, please? Yeah, every day. Every day. I'm just going <laughs> to roll right over for you. Yeah, I think with the Indy pass, we're signed up with Indy this year. They, We've had a very good relationship with them. We've obviously been the number one redeemed resort across their system for Two year, the, the two years that we've been on the path, so that uh, works in both directions. It's, it's been successful, and we're we're hopeful to continue with that. In terms of reciprocal privileges, we're working on that right now. We'll have something figured out by the time we get past the actual closing, but there'll be some sort of reciprocity between the existing resorts at PGRI and and JPEAK as we onboard JPEAK into the into the system. We just haven't, we haven't dotted everything yet, but rest assured there'll be something there and it'll be coming forward very quickly after the sale. Awesome. Well, something very dear to my life is that side country, back country type situation. Yeah. You guys in the past had a real issue with some illegal cutting up there. Mm. It seems like yesterday to me, I guess I've been around a while. <laughs> any, any plans to open up that side country, back country, and you know, sort of take it to the next level, make it a Western Snowbird Jackson type experience? Well, it isn't really necessarily our side country to open, right? It's, uh, it's, it's terrain that is either leased by the, from the state or has restrictions against certain things that you can do over there. I mean, we, we, 
we have a policy on campus where people can, if if they can get into there, they can they can ski it so long as they're coming in from an open trail and they're exiting from onto an open trail as well. And then you have, absolutely the side country, back country here is is all very very good, very appropriately trafficked. I would say I don't know that we're going to bring any of that into the the fold and 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 thin things out and and make official trails out of them. But we have been and will continue to be very supportive of of skinning and, and side country and back country in general, for sure. The New England Ski Journal's Base Camp Podcast presents Après Ski, getting to know our guest away from the slopes. Okay, Steve, we have a few more questions for you, but we want to get away from yeah. skiing. We want to just kind of get the real Steve Wright into the program here. Mm. So question number one. What is the feeling about next year being the final year of touring for Dead & Company? Is is it time, or do you think it should just keep going? Well, this will be the toughest one you ask. <laughs> it's tough for me to answer. That's that's kind of really on them. I, I uh, have seen them a bunch of times, and I've enjoyed them. I know that there's a lot of haters out there that they play too slowly, but that's, the, as we call them, the, the deader-than-thou crowd who try to uh, try to impart that they're bigger bigger heads than anyone. I, I will go. I will enjoy it. And whatever iteration they end up in again, which as you know, they'll probably continue to play someplace, I'll likely be very close to the stage somewhere. <laughs> well, here's question number two for you, Steve. We've heard about your pizza-making skills. Give us a description. It, well, every Saturday I'm over at Stateside making them in, in our traditional oven. And, the, and then every Friday night in the, the summer and fall, we have a, a wood-burning oven that we have down at the golf clubhouse, which I absolutely I have a blast doing that. I have gotten better, but I am no pizzaiola by any stretch. I have a guy here, Chris Clements, who's our VP of food and beverage. who used to own his own pizza shop, so I've been trying to hone my chops with him. And at some point, I am going to taken on the road and whatever iteration of the dead is left, I will have my pizza oven in the parking lot. <laughs> Great. Question number three, not to, not to date Steve, but he did go to Providence college when they still had baseball. <laughs> what was your favorite haunt at P at PC? Where'd you go out for drinks and, and pizza? Well, there was only one spot. That was Louis. Louis was the spot for sure. And it is no longer there. Sadly, just like baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Question number four, if you could pick any place to go on vacation after this, Great season that we're going to have. Where's it going to be? Cool. I would probably try to keep it pretty easy and go down to Chatham, down the Cape. I used to play ball down there. I have fond memories of that place. I would go down there with my family and, and spend a week down there just grinding around, watching some Cape League ball, baseball. Love it. Nice. And lastly, your favorite off-season sport. Favorite off-season sport. Would not, do we consider poker a sport? Sure, sure. Why Comp not? Competition. <laughs> Let's go with that then. Okay, great. <laughs> that's always in season two. That's not exactly fair, but yeah, that's a off season. We 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 pick up the number of games we play. So awesome. go with that. That's awesome. Well, Steve, congratulations. I, I know it was a long I process that you've that you've come to, almost to the finish line here. And JP truly is a special place that 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 they're getting. I, it it really is. It, it's it's up there with whoever else you want to put in the East. The, the skiing at Jay is top notch. The the whole experience is just right up there. I was I said on an earlier podcast that my mom, my mom, my wife. Well, excuse that one, huh? My wife is angry right now that we did not purchase any real estate up at Jay a few years ago when prices were down because now they're going to skyrocket. And boy, Erica, you an idiot. So. 
We'll leave it at that. <laughs> well, I appreciate uh, both you guys. Thank you for the for the kind words about Jay, and, I, and thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. And awesome. we'll see you up there this year. I hope so. Take Great. care. Thank you very much, Steve. You got it, guys. Well, Eric, what Jay is all about is snow. They are in the snow belt of New England. We talk about Bolton. We talk about Stowe. We talk about Sugarbush. But then there's Jay's total. No other place in New England rivals the big kahunas like Snowbird. Well, they have the Jay Cloud. I mean, they that's have, all you need. So how does that Jay Cloud work? <laughs> give, me, <laughs> give me a little synopsis. You'll, you'll have to ask the marketing department at JP exactly how the market the, uh, the Jay Cloud works. But, yeah, Jay will get snow when nobody else does. And for sometimes you can look at the, the snow report and say, okay, what's going on here? No, that's, that's pretty much the case. Jay is getting snow when Burke Mountain or, or Stowe or Sugarbush, when they aren't getting the same amounts. So it is a special place in terms of being right there in the Northeast Kingdom, some magic cloud that that marketing wants to, wants to have you believe is there. It just might be, okay? The J cloud is, is real. My first visit to Jay Peak was, God, I want to say late 90s, and it was pounding snow that day, pounding, to the point where you couldn't see two or three feet in front of you. And I was with my pals, for about an hour before I lost my pals. And I spent the day just skiing in white, not really exact, not ever really knowing where I was. And that was pretty much just my introduction, introduction to Jay. Sometimes you get this introduction to a place. You're like, you know, I went to Heavenly for the first time. It was Thanksgiving weekend. And I was skiing on white ribbons of death and didn't exactly get the feel. Jay Peak, boom, first trip, got that feel. I got that sort of just enveloping myself in the Jay Cloud, and it was glorious. And once I found my friends at the end of the day, we had a beer, and that was great, but I was fine to ski without them for the entirety of the day. Well, it is outstanding that prevailing winds come right across Champlain, mm -hmm. and they just seem to nail Jay. But the other thing that's cool with Jay, because they get all that snow, they have just an abundant amount of tree skiing. Yep. Whenever it's snowing hard, you can't see. We've all been in that vertigo situation where it's all white. Even with the best lenses, the only place to go is the trees where you get definition. And Jay has them. I'm going to tell you a little story. Back with my son, I believe he was in eighth grade. We were up, up at Jay at the time. And I set him loose. I set him loose early on skis and said, go ski whatever you want. Be smart. Don't be safe. Just be smart, pick your line, and go for it. And we're up on the face shoots, and this little eighth grader just ripped it on me. And I'm sitting there going, oh, my goodness, he just took that line. Right. But the snow was so good, the terrain so good, it was unbelievable. A similar story with me. We were there in, what was it, 2017, 2018? It was, it was a few years ago, and... We ended up getting a room at the at the J Hotel that overlooked the water park, and it was it was tremendous. We ended up skiing on the Sunday of that weekend, and it was early April or mid April because it was it was April vacation, and the snow was heavy as could be. And I've got my my two sons. One is ten, one is seven, and this was basically introducing them to spring skiing at J Peak, which is on par with pretty much anyone else in the East. And my older son quit after a few runs because his legs were killing him. My younger son, the seven-year-old, that was the day, the day, because earlier that same year, he was at Blue Hills taking some lessons. They, they have a great three-week program there. 
and they transformed him from a kid that was falling into a ravine into a kid that could actually handle himself on skis. Fast forward two months later, we're at Jay in spring conditions, and he was killing it. He was ripping it. Seven years old, never looked back. And that, I think, is a product of stepping up to a challenge when you're faced with it, right? Not only is this spring skiing, and I'm seven years old and never done this, it's spring skiing at Jay Peak with a pretty deep base. And he killed it, absolutely killed it. He was pooped at the end of the day, but I've never been more proud of one of my kids than I was of him on that day because, well, in skiing at least, because that is my passion, right? That spring skiing passion is something I love. Give me a powder day, give me a day in the 60s in the sun, I'm probably choosing the latter. I know that makes me somewhat of a minority in New England. But to see him enjoying that and to mastering that was just so chef's kiss. And and that will be one of my forever lingering things at, at Jay is the memory of him doing that. So, again, similar to, to to bring your kids to a place like that and to have them immediately adapt to their surroundings and to, to cherish what they have in front of them and to tackle it. Jay is the perfect place for something like that. It sure is. It's kind of interesting at Jay, unlike, let's just say – a Mount Snow or an Okemo or a Waterville. Everybody everybody at those areas is basically on trail. Mm-hmm. When you go to Jay, the trails are almost empty <laughs> because everybody's in the woods. Yep. And the woods just keep going and going. I mean, a great area like Be- Beaver Pond or Beyond Beaver Pond, great area for that aspiring intermediate where they're not going to get in trouble. It's not so steep. All the way over to all the way over to Kit's Woods and stuff, which which are steep and it's it's real skiing. Yep. And look, I'm not a water park guy by any stretch of the imagination, but I love the pump house. I think it's it's uh, uh, so much fun. The, the, the kids love it, and it's just a, a real. It's it's so cool to ski the day and then go and just do a few slides. Jay is one of my favorite destinations. I love it, and I think Steve is right in the money with who suffered the most in the pandemic, and he says. We win. I didn't want to say it. I was going to let him say it. But to have that Canadian border reopen for JP is going to be what we were talking about size of relief. And I think that doubly that has come this year for, for Steve and JP and that one, they've finally been, been purchased. And two, half of their business, half of their business is coming back this year. Yeah, the Canadian border opening up is going to be fantastic for the Sugarloafs, the Jays, mm-hmm. the smugglers. They all depend heavily because they're they're virtually on the Canadian border. Yep. For that sake. But when we, when we look at Jay, there's a reason. I'm an equipment guy. I come out of retail. There's a reason why we have different skis also. And you just hit it. Your son springtime skiing. Yep. A ski that's made to rip it up at Mount Sunapee is not necessarily the ski that you're going to love up at Jay Peak. <laughs> It'll work, but the reason why all these wider skis came about is because of the Jays of the world, where you have a little bit wider platform, a little bit floatier feel, a little bit surfier feel, and you can just carve down that that steeper terrain with deep snow with a big smile on your face. So anybody going up to Jay... Make sure you have something in the at least 95 under waist, but my goodness, I wouldn't 100 to 110 underfoot would be fantastic to go up and enjoy that Jay experience. Yep. And Jay's still on the Indy Pass this year. So if you've got the Indy Pass, if you're new to the Indy Pass and never been, do 
make it make a trip up to Jay Peak. And the fact that that Steve wasn't shying away from any sort of combo pass, whether that be Ragged Mountain or other PGIR resorts, pretty much encouraging it and saying that it would be down the line. That's going to be exciting for skiers. Definitely. I mean, nobody, I don't know too many people that have single resort passes now outside of local areas. Mm -hmm. Jay is not local to many people. I guess Newport would be close, but not a big population base there. So the Mount Southingtons, the Mohawks and stuff, those those are close to population bases. They can get away with a single pass for one resort. But a Jay, I think for them to be truly, truly successful in the future, they're going to have to have a multi-resort pass to compete with the Boynes with the Epics, with the Vales, and also the Alteras. Yeah. And I, I think that what sets Jay apart even more so, I mean, we talked about the water park, but even just all the peripheral activities they have there. I've, I've heard my son talk about his hockey friends going up to Jay Peak all the time, right? Like more than skiing. So it's a destination in more ways than one. So it's not just skiing that, that they're focused on here. And I think that Jay has, it's enough of everything not close to anything that makes it a trip worth going to. Definitely. Jay is an awesome hill. Jay is an awesome experience. Great golf course, hockey rink for Mm -hmm. tournaments, which I know for the last probably 12 years, they've been building that part of their business to make sure the rooms are filled. Mm -hmm. And now with the new ownership, Jay is a spot to book a trip this year. I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't go first day, but (laughs) I won't either. Trust me. Fair enough. But I'll tell you what, when we get into March, when the snow's deep, it is a place to rip it up. Mike, thank you. That was great. Love Jay Peak. Hope we can get there at some point this season. And that has been the Basecamp Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to catching you next time. Think snow, and uh, let's hit the trail soon, huh?